Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Welcome back to Frictionless Marketing. Kim Olson is Chief Communications Officer at Landa Lakes, one of America's leading marketers of dairy-based food products for consumers, food service professionals, and food manufacturers. Landa Lakes also offers local cooperatives and agricultural producers across the nation an extensive line of agricultural supplies, as well as state-of-the-art production and business services. Kim's history includes positions with United Health Group, Carlson, and General Mills. In this conversation with Lippy Taylor CEO Paul Dyer, Kim gets into the keys to supporting female executive leadership, how comms leaders should approach getting a seat at the executive leadership table, and how to launch an effective brand podcast. All of this and so much more on today's episode of Frictionless Marketing. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Landa Lakes Chief Communications Officer Kim Olson. Good morning, Kim. Thank you for joining us here today. We're very excited to speak with you. Good morning, Paul. I'm excited to be here. So we are obviously speaking on a podcast show, and therefore I thought we would start out by talking about one of your own podcasts, the Land Lakes Something Greater podcast. I think is entering or recently started season three. You talk about things related to agricultural innovation, manufacturing and supply chain. Could you maybe talk a little bit about the, the, the strategy behind this podcast and, and what has the response been like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, we started it, um, as you said, we're just launching our third season. And it is um, what I would describe as kind of a micro-targeted podcast. So, um, you know, I, when I started, I thought, oh my goodness, no one's going to listen to this but my mother. And and I will say that she is a loyal, loyal uh, listener in the first two seasons. Um, but uh, what we wanted to do was have a forum for um, talking about issues that affect uh, our members. So Land Lakes is a 100-year-old farmer cooperative, and we are farmer and retail member owned. So that's about 1,500 dairy farmers and about um, 600 ag producers and about 900 um, retail owners who run local co-ops. And what we wanted was a forum to be able to talk about the issues of the day in ag and um, primarily talk with our, our members. And it has grown, you know, now we're on 20 plus um, podcast platforms. Um, we're in like 2000 cities and 73 countries. And, you know, you know how those things kind of grow sometimes, but it gives us a really good opportunity to talk about um, the issues of the day. The um, first, our first uh, episode in this season was on carbon markets. Uh, we have a business called Truterra and they are doing some extraordinary work in uh, um, sustainability and making sure that um, farmers are part of the uh, solution to climate change and, and saving the planet. Nobody wants to do it more than, than farmers. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I, I love the um, positioning of it being micro-targeted, but then ending up obviously having much broader um, perhaps not macro relevance, but somewhere yeah. in the middle between micro and macro. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of that sort of micro focus, not too long ago, Land O'Lakes launched the American Connection Project. 
And you did it with this micro focus in Aberdeen, South Dakota, right? Yes. And yeah. and your your aim is to provide citizens access to digital tools and internet connections and things like that. So can can you talk a little bit about that program and what was the thinking behind the, the hyper specific local focus? Yeah, I can. So um, if I uh, back it out just a little bit, let me talk about um, the American Connection Project as a whole. So um, Beth Ford, our CEO, uh, was named, she's in her fourth year now. Um, she, When she was named CEO, she was um, kind of out in the community meeting our, our members and um, on farms. And uh, one thing that really came to her attention was the um, lack of connectivity for farmers. And... Um, for rural communities really so we're you know we're very interested in making sure that they can run farms efficiently um and they need the technology and connectivity to do that but as you know as we were um also interested in their communities it, you kind of get a, a spotlight on the fact that they the grandma couldn't go to the doctor and you know the kids couldn't do their homework so we started the american connection project and our approach was to really just raise awareness initially so um, this was probably three years ago before covid and um every time uh, beth went out to speak she she talked about the lack of connectivity in rural communities and what that meant um and you know, people just, uh, it, the response was that people just didn't know that that was happening. So as um, she was raising awareness, we decided uh, we had an opportunity to really um, convene others because it, it's in a time when people don't really uh, agree on much. Um, everybody agreed that this was something that was important. So um, we brought together then uh, a phase of kind of advocacy and put together a um, American uh, Connection project um, coalition. And that group really um, advocated together for um, greater connectivity and broadband. And that includes, you know, people uh, like Mayo Clinic, um, some strange uh, bedfellows for us, um, tractor supply company, we've had uh, good um, combination uh, work with Microsoft. And um, that coalition then sort of advocated for um, policy change. Then what we did, uh, and this is kind of fast forwarding us to last summer, was we launched the American Connection Corps. So that was in conjunction with Lead for America. And we put 50 um, fellows into rural communities, uh, primarily, you know, in um, communities where they uh, grew up or like where they grew up. And these are people that are going in with a two-year um grants to live in those communities, raise uh, digital skilling. Um, now we uh, just announced American, our first American Connection community, and that is an effort in conjunction with the Center for Rural Innovation, where um, we uh, choose a community, it was Aberdeen, South Dakota, and we go in and we do um, a longer, like months long engagement on strategic planning and um, try and create innovation hubs. So um, we, you know, that that community is wonderful. Our uh, retail owner member Agtegra is in that community. So uh, Chris Pearson, their CEO, was helping us there, and it's it's just become a um, another phase in a platform that we care about primarily because, you know, going right back to our farmer members. That's um, that's something that uh, they and their communities really need. 
Well, it's a great example of something that when you start with just doing the right thing and helping your customers, it can sort of build and evolve from there. And for our listeners who are maybe, um, may potentially have an outdated perception, what we've observed is that um, farmers in particular, when they get access to the technology, are voracious when it comes to using it, when it comes to engaging in social media and all those kinds of things. Um, So, I mean, enabling that access makes a lot of sense from a business standpoint. Yeah, it, it certainly does. Um, so it's great to hear your CEO is personally involved, you know, and passionate about that topic. One of the things that comes up frequently on this show and, and, and in the conferences that we all participate in and things like that is this idea of the CCO having a quote unquote seat at the table, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about in your experience, um, what is the difference, you know, when you have a seat at the executive table versus maybe when you're, you know, removed? And mm-hmm. why is it important, you know, to have that seat at the table? And how do you make the most of it? Well, I, you know, I have been um, chief comms officer at, uh, through four different places. And um, when you have, it's, it's funny because they, uh, it's often characterized as a seat at the table. I would characterize it as a um, CEO that understands the value of comms. So when you get someone like a Beth Ford or in my past, like a, a Marilyn Nelson, who understands that communications is a way to um, move the needle on business, on reputation, um, then you're in the sweet spot. Um, now with Beth, I also uh, have the the gift of um, a CEO who not only understands the uh, the power of comms, but also is extraordinarily naturally gifted at it. And um, I think when uh, you have a CEO who has used communications in a way to make progress against anything, um, business, uh, reputation, um, efforts like the American Connection Project. The other folks um, on uh, our executive leadership team are certainly seeing the value. Um, our member owners are certainly seeing the value. And what we, you know, what we've been able to do is spread that halo up. Okay, uh, now that we've got a good base, um, how much more can we uh, engage a greater team? And I, you know, if, if you've got a CEO behind you that says what you do is valuable, um, the possibilities are endless. That's great. And you mentioned um, one of your former CEOs, Marilyn, Carl, uh, Marilyn Nelson. Carlson Nelson, Carlson. Carlson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, so you've, um, you've held senior roles, United Health Group, Carlson, General Mills, and you've been agency side all yeah. prior to Land O'Lakes. Can you maybe just talk us through a little bit some of the the thought process in your career trajectory and, you know, like what, (laughs) how did it happen? How did it happen? Well, I, I, um, I could give you the honest answer that I get bored easy, um, but I, I, I'll say it was very strategic. Let's go with that. Um, I, you know, I had um, the opportunity to kind of bounce back and forth between agency side and corporate side. And um, for me, 
it was a um, an opportunity to say, okay, I've learned some things on the agency side. I have um, I've learned from colleagues. You know, the, one of the beautiful things about agencies, and I was with um, Weber Shandrick for a long time, is that you, if you have a problem, you can walk out of your office and look around, and there's a million people around you that do exactly what you do. And um, that was uh, always really helpful for me on agency side. But then when you bounce over to corporate side and you get really, really deep in the knowledge of the um, company itself and what the company does, that's really interesting. And um, for me, I kind of started out agency, uh, even back in, in college, I um, did both agency and uh, I was at Honeywell and I was at uh, an agency as well in internships and I enjoyed them both so much. And I found that going back and forth a little bit, um, I was able to use the learning from the previous experience to make the current experience better. Um, but I've, I've had some great opportunities. Uh, and you know the set of skills that a communicator uses, much like a lawyer or a CFO, can translate into many, many um, different uh, settings. And that's what I've always um, appreciated. So you've been at Land Lakes now for, how, how long have you been there? Uh, six years. It'll be six years this summer. Six years. Yeah. So sort of half of it pre-pandemic and half of it in yes. the pandemic almost, right? Yes. Um, yes. And I'm sure that there have been some, some leadership lessons both before and during the pandemic. And obviously yeah. uh, being able to work closely with a CEO who values and prioritizes communications at you know such a, a time of crisis. Um, no doubt, and brought its own learnings and, and things like that. So I'm just curious, you know, what stands out to you in terms of you know, leadership learnings during this time? Yeah, a um, couple of things. So I think the, the three things that people um, that I look for when I'm uh, hiring, what I look for in my team are um, writing. Uh, you, you have to be a strong writer in any sense. Um, transparency. Uh, which became very important during um, during the uh, pandemic, and agility, which is probably the single most important thing that we learned during the pandemic. So what we tried to do was focus on content, not channel. And um, we then, you know, if you develop really compelling content and that is valuable, then it really doesn't matter where, how you get it out. And we tried to repurpose it in many ways. Um, so, you know, it, yeah, it, your channel might be um, changing because of uh, pandemic, but if the content is good, the channel shouldn't matter. Um, the other thing I found is that um, the soft skills and um, people skills became uh, paramount. Just, just almost more important than anything that we did. When and, you know, it was kind of interesting. In the very beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of folks sitting at home who um, couldn't do their jobs in the way that they used to do it. So, um, you know, I would take our uh, meetings and events group, for example, you know, we weren't having meetings. So at the very beginning, before they figured out the virtual thing and they do it really well now, um, they were sort of sitting at home going, okay, what do we do? That wasn't the case for the communications people. The communications people were suddenly working 80 hours a week and trying to make sure that we were getting information out um, 
both to our teams and to the world. I, Beth was one of the first people to do, uh, first CEO, I believe, to do a um, national interview on pandemic issues. She was on CNN in, I believe, uh, mid-April after we all kind of, um, you know, we heard a lot from the politicians, we heard a lot from the doctors, but we didn't hear much from CEOs. So um, she was uh, getting out there and I, I appreciated that. Um, but I think one, one thing that she often says that um, most of our management team says is it all starts with the team. And it's it's not about you. You gotta make sure that your people are feeling um, supported. And I have an extraordinary uh, communications team that just showed up through that and, and did the work. And, you know, oftentimes, um, when things are chaotic around you, you you need your comms people to be calm and say, we're gonna get through this. And, you know, yes, this is a problem, but here's five ways to, to solve it. It's a really interesting point. When you, when you consider many people in the communications industry are also valued for being responsive and fast and agile, yeah. but, you know, there's a difference between that and sort of going all the way towards hair on fire, you know, when people around you need you to be the the calming influence. Yeah. Um, so another big topic of discussion in the industry and on this show, you know, is the convergence of communications and marketing. Um, yeah. We obviously are big fans of earned creative, the idea that, you know, the communications led idea can um, drive a whole marketing program. Uh, mm. Curious what your thoughts are on that. And, and is it something you've had, um, direct experience with and you, you, you know, are you a believer? Uh, what are your thoughts? I'm a believer. I am such a believer. Um, but I will say that I'm a, a late in life believer because it's been more recent for me. So we, uh, last year, um, Heather Malinchek joined us. She's our uh, chief marketing officer and she came from Harley and, um, she is just an extraordinary leader. And, um, I, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I would say that she is a big believer in the power of comms and marketing together. So um, our organization is marketing and comms together um, under Heather's leadership. And we have in the last uh, year really um, integrated in a way that we were never integrated before. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, you, you kind of look at... Uh, marketers look at what's happening in culture in a way that um, communications people, particularly those of us that do a lot of media, are watching um, what's hot in media. So, uh, for example, supply chain. Oh, my goodness. Our chief supply chain officer never thought that he was going to be in the spotlight that he's in. But, boy, we put Yanni Dewberry out there <laughs> often. Um, it's the whole supply chain industry. <laughs> right? I, I mean, who knew? He's, I, he's like, oh, the chief supply chain officer, suddenly he's my hottest commodity. Um, but when you think about that, um, we sort of uh, – from a media perspective, are doing a lot of um, media around uh, supply chain. And, and when that kind of leads, um, we can do social around it. We can talk about um, our partnerships and how that's important to the business. It helps um, with our business relationships. And then we can, uh, we can do some marketing around there. Um, I would also say that American Connection Project is a really good example of that. Um, and how you know that that really started as something that uh, we promoted primarily 
through uh, earned um, media and now has a full-blown marketing uh, surround sound to it. So yeah, I am a believer. It's all storytelling, right? Exactly. And, you know, I want to pick up on something that's been a little bit maybe um, subtle in the conversation, a subtle thread, which is we've talked about your CEO, we've talked about your CMO, you're obviously the chief communications officer, all three are women. Women in leadership is a, is a big passion area, you know, for our company and a big topic of discussion in the broader sort of landscape. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, first of all, you know, is this something where you f- you feel a difference, you know, at Land O'Lakes, having, you know, strong, um, you know, female leadership? And as you think about um, what enables, you know, women to get ahead to the C-suite, to get the top jobs, you know, what are the things that you would recommend other women who are aspiring to those roles um, to seek out? Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, it's a great question. And it's so um, I'm so happy that you can ask that because agriculture is not what you, you don't think of women in agriculture. Right. Um, very often. But um there have always been women in agriculture. So, you know, a lot of times you think of the farmer, but who was running the business, who was doing the books, it's a farmer's wife. So um, it's women have always been there. Um, But from a, and and for me, from a corporate perspective, um, I've had the opportunity to work with two, you know, groundbreaking female CEOs with um, Marilyn Carlson Nelson earlier in my career and with Beth now. Um, I would say uh, the more women that um, get to this uh, level, um, the more women are going to get to that level. So it, it's it's kind of contagious. Um, and I, you know, opening doors for others um, when they are bright, qualified, and uh, and extraordinary, and can line right up. Uh, with other bright, qualified, and extraordinary um, men in a equal uh, in an equal way is really exciting. Um, I will say, when Beth was named, uh, there were twenty. I believe there were twenty six women in all of the Fortune five hundred uh, CEOs. Um, now we've got uh, more than forty, but isn't that sad? Out of five hundred, yeah. um, so we're you know. The, the way in which um, she supports her entire team, male and female, is extraordinary. But um, you, you feel like you have, uh, have a cheerleader. And Heather's a cheerleader, and I hope to be, uh, hope I am a cheerleader as well. Well, and it's, you know, it's interesting you point out, obviously, that distinction. The other distinction I saw most recently was something like, I think, 14% of the American population is six feet tall. Um, and oh. 60% of Fortune 500 CEOs are. Really? So these, we talk about unconscious bias, and there's it's just the layers just keep going, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's really, you know, I think it's really inspiring that you, you know, you point out the fact of opening doors for others um, and how important that is. So, Kim, the one, the one final thing I have to ask is about measurement. And obviously, in the communications industry, a big topic, measuring the value of communications in business terms. So what do you think? Have you cracked the code? Do you have the answer? 
Yeah, I, I would say if I had the answer to that, I'd, I'd probably be in a penthouse in New York, and I am not. I'm in a lovely house in Minnesota. Um, we uh, we haven't cracked it yet, and, and I don't think anybody has, but I think we're getting closer. And as we talked about, the convergence with marketing um, has informed some of the ways that, that we measure. So I'm not a, a big fan of um, impressions and uh, kind of vanity metrics there. Um, but I, I do love the way um, we can measure social and we can measure um, engagement. So um, I would I would say someday um, I would like to be able to say when Beth Ford appeared on 60 Minutes, we sold more butter. Um, but uh, I think that day is uh, probably a little farther away than I wish. Totally understandable, but appreciate your perspective. Um, so I think that's a, that's a wonderful place to wrap up our conversation here um, today, Kim. Thank you very much for um, sharing your insights and um, and you know being being a, a voice for other women in the industry um, as well as for all of us. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. All right. Here, as always, are some key takeaways from this conversation with Kim Olson. Number one: launch a niche podcast. The Lando Lakes Something Greater podcast is in its third season and is a big success among its shareholders and partners. Kim was concerned that nobody would listen because of the podcast's hyper-targeted focus on agriculture, but this turned out to be its greatest strength. The podcast focuses on issues facing farmers, legislators, and food manufacturers, and topics range from everything from carbon footprints and labor shortages to agricultural technology. This allows Land O'Lakes to affect change by becoming thought leaders in very specific areas that matter most to their core constituents. Number two, the more women who reach the top, the easier it will be for other women to join them there. Land O'Lakes is strong on female leadership. Kim offered advice to other companies that would like to see more women in charge. She said, the more that women reach the top, the more opportunities there will be for still other women to rise. The women who get there first can and should open the doors for large numbers of women at the C-suite level. The fact that bright, qualified, extraordinary women can line right up with bright, qualified, extraordinary men in equal way is really exciting. Number three, CEO support is crucial for comms leaders to have a seat at the table. A chief executive officer who relies on comms to move the needle on business and reputation will likely prompt others in the C-suite to pay closer heed to what comms has to say with regard to strategic planning and decision making affecting the company as a whole instead of just the marketing arm. As Kim said, when you have a CEO who has used communications to make progress, other folks see the value, and then you're able to spread the halo up. And if you've got a CEO behind you who says what you do is valuable, the possibilities are endless. Anyway, guys, thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Lippy Taylor, that's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R, and on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening to Frictionless Marketing. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. 
If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future-Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.